station on RadioHarrow.org and on your smart speaker, recorded from a secret bunker in Ealing Broadway. This is a review. Yes, that's right, Universe. This is David Stone. This is Ian Stone. And this is a review. I almost said this is a show there, like it's the old show. But no, this is a review. Each time we're going to be reviewing a brand new show, which is going to be quite easy as we're stuck at home all day, every day these days. Our last review, of course, was of the uh, Tiger King, which was insane. And so for this review, we thought we'd go equally as insane and watch some good old-fashioned wrestling in watching WWE WrestleMania night one why is it night one you ask well it's because for some reason they couldn't do a proper wrestlemania because obviously there's a little virus going around so usually the eighty thousand people that would travel from all over the world to see this massive event in a giant stadium could not travel there and so they had to hastily think of a way to do it without a without a crowd basically now a normal company might have thought ah we'll just delay it a few months and have it as a big celebration for when all of this is over. Not the WWE, no. They decided that they were going to have the show go on, as they always say. The show must go on. And so what they decided to do was record over two nights in an empty building in Florida known as their Performance Center. Because they couldn't do six hours of empty arena shows, they decided to put it over the two nights of the Saturday and Sunday for the first time ever. But of course, it wasn't because of the COVID-19. No, it was because WrestleMania was too big for one night. So that's my initial rant over Ian. Sorry, I took up two minutes of the show there with that. I mean, I had two questions already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, going into it. So the first one is on the uh, on the language. WWE are very keen on having, well, Vince McMahon specifically, is very keen on having these weird diktats on words you can or can't say. Um, and because I've been, I haven't been watching WWE for at least a year and a half now, mm. um, has, ha, is there certain language around COVID-19 that they are tiptoeing around because of some weird... Um, Vince McMahon thing or or was it just for this show that they're kind of like very consciously avoiding mentioning it I only say it because in the intro kind of blurb Mm. Stephanie McMahon describes (laughs) describes the coronavirus crisis as the current circumstances which I think is a really weird way of describing it yeah it's (laughs) it's a way of describing it that only the WWE could do and uh, I don't know how much you've been following sort of through other podcasts and stuff because I don't really watch it unless there's a match that I absolutely must see because someone else described it as brilliant. Basically, the story goes that they've been doing these empty arena shows for their Smackdowns, for their Monday Night Raws, for everything. They were going live uh, for the start, but then started pre-recording uh, up until WrestleMania at the end of March. So WrestleMania itself was entirely pre-recorded before the day it was actually broadcast. And in every single one of those recordings they did, I am led to believe that they did not mention the words coronavirus, COVID-19, anything like that 
once despite the fact that was the reason that they were performing wrestling matches in front of no fans <laughs> whatsoever yeah. well to me it's more like the word current circumstances is literally the most bizarre way to describe it even if you're avoiding saying coronavirus you would say the current crisis or yeah. the current situation no, I, I just yeah. don't think circumstances would enter my mind it's, it's, at the, all. it's the current circumstances because wwe <laughs> are there to put smiles on faces oh my the show god must have... go on. <laughs> so i think the majority of my notes on this probably uh <laughs> cover the opening kind of introduction normally they would have lots and lots of filler on these wrestlemania shows and there'd be musical acts there'd be sing someone yeah. singing star spangled banner or or america the brave or beautiful or whatever the song is called at the start be lots of long long Ent entrances with lots of pyrotechnics etc and they obviously couldn't do that so they had to fill the shows which is why because wrestlemania these days is normally six hours long which is the actual reason they had to do it on two nights not because it was too big for one night it was because actually you can't do six hours of just people pretend fighting in front of nobody for that long because it just gets very very boring yeah. So, um, WrestleMania 36 Part 1. So, it's opened up by Stephanie McMahon, who gives a very long intro. Um, I've written the words wooden, um, which is how I would describe the delivery of this. I mean, tedious, boring, complete waste of time I and, just, and, and, uh, and space. Um, I just thought of it as, she... as, as usual, Stephanie McMahon has to be on camera amongst all of these things because let's face it the sole purpose of this company for the last few years has been so that stephanie mcmahon becomes the most popular person on earth i just simply wrote for this stephanie mcmahon savior of all manages not to say the words coronavirus yeah i mean she also mentioned that they would hope to deliver a sense of hope mm. and my question to that is how does From putting smiles on your hope? smiles on your face, and uh, well, you know, it's a distraction. I get that. It's nice to have. It. I mean, we've been very negative so far, but it is great of these the people putting themselves at risk in some way to entertain other people. Don't get me wrong about that. Like you're performing your job when everyone else is at home, and you're you're you know you're doing it because for the love of entertaining them. At the yeah. same time, whether it's entirely necessary is up for um anyway. So anyway, then there is um a long boring video um on so obviously they couldn't get any entertainers to come in to to sing America the Beautiful as they normally do. So they kind of go through like a strange montage -y thing of um previous famous acts who have mm. um, performed on this and by far the most famous person to have sung america the beautiful for them i think is probably aretha franklin and yeah my first i i didn't was, even realize how yeah and it was more like how on earth do they get people like did they manage to get people like aretha franklin uh, little richard um lewis hamilton's ex-girlfriend ray charles um, rachel yeah they had they like yeah so many big names. i like how and you then... included nicole scherzing in that and i don't think she's <laughs> even that famous on... in the just... states is she <laughs> no i was just going i was just going by the list of names you I just thought, listed aretha franklin <laughs> little richard ray and charles also... and nicole scherzing okay sure <laughs> and i also put lol boys to men because obviously <laughs> during their brief period of popularity in the early well 90s, i think you talking about aretha franklin she was probably there when like the wwf was at their um 
highest yeah. popularity. So, so, so that's why. So, but but that's the thing that like it does amaze me how this weird world of fake sports can attract so many big names because following the um, introduction to singers, because obviously the preamble has to take about the first half an hour of the show. We have this very long kind of um, Avengers movie trailer parody thing that just goes on and on and on and on um, and on not particularly funny actually quite tedious um i then put in my notes still going so i think i zoned out for a while this 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 is a review then we get to this guy Oh, you mean, um, I can't remember the name of the celebrity who introduces the who, program. Yes, who nobody... I didn't take but... any notes on anything he said, because he only really appears at the very beginning and the very end. I think his name's Rob, Rob Gronkowski. Is that right? But basically, he's... Yeah, I think that's right. He, he's like a very famous American footballer. But of course, n- nobody outside of um, America really knows who he is. So... Like I only knew who he was through listening to wrestling podcasts and stuff, but yeah, and to anyone like you, like this must have been absolutely baffling to see. Well, also because he's then joined by Mojo Rawley, who I think Mojo Rawley also used to be. Is he a ex American? Yeah, yeah he's an ex. Yeah, he is. Yeah, so they're that's mates why he's basically. His mates or whatever. Basically, they they were mates from like their amateur days. One of them made it to be like one of the biggest stars in the world. The other became Mojo Rawley. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mojo Rawley presumably makes a decent living as a fairly oh, yeah. oh, yeah. professional I, I, wrestler. Like me, he's doing a lot um, better than me, so I shouldn't. Yeah. Um, so the first match we have is um, Oscar and Kyrie Sane, who are the Kabuki Warriors against. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. That's right. And for the women's the tag first... team championships. That's correct. So is there only one? There's only one. There's not like a Raw Women's Championship in SmackDown, or is no, it just the? There's one. There's, there's one. one for some reason with the women. No explanation yeah, as to why, but there seems to be a lot of championships again. And I thought they kind of previously cut down on the number of championships, but now there's hundreds of them again. There's tons. Yeah. Um, the first thing I noticed is that like already this show feels weird without any fans now because i haven't been watching any of these kind of empty arena shows yeah maybe i've not adjusted to it but just like when you're watching you know football or any other sport without a crowd that's behind closed doors Mm. there is something you 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 do suddenly appreciate how much of a difference like have just having a crowd makes even if it's a crowd that's not making any noise whatsoever the fact that there's no one there it just feels very very strange um so the story with this actually is that there if you noticed their cameras were actually pointing where the main camera was pointing at the stage and now for weeks before this they'd actually had the camera pointed as it usually would at where the crowd would be but with empty seats but before WrestleMania, they decided, actually, this is this is not working. And so they removed all of the seats from the arena and changed the way the camera was facing, which, to be honest, is probably a better touch. But at the same time, with no one cheering, it was very, very strange. Yeah, so um, the other thing I noticed was that... So I haven't seen Nikki Cross 
in WWE for a while because um, I've been watching very much. So I only remember her for NXT, and her character seems very different now. She's hanging around with Alexa Bliss in whatever the name of their their tag team is. Um, their, their tag team is called Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. <laughs> yep. I was still amazed that JBL was still employed, and I was yeah. also amazed by the name of the Kabuki Warriors suddenly realizing that the racial stereotypes in WWE are still going very strong. Yes, slightly so, sensitive uh, tag team names. Rewinding um, a bit, uh, JBL is not normally on screen, and you're not the only person to be shocked to see him. He was always employed by WWE, but hasn't been a commentator for a good few years now and then suddenly he's back on wrestlemania so i don't know if what happens to the usual commentary team or what but for some reason he yeah. was and in my notes i put big bully jbl back back to your uh nikki cross point i i noted how well i knew this i'm always confused with her because basically when she was in the next her character was just that she was a crazy person but yeah god bless her She's really bad at acting crazy. And like she was still showing elements of it here. And I was just like, it just comes across as someone acting, like pretending to be crazy. But it's like, yeah, bad. You know, she's acting, but you can really tell she's trying to act this way. Yeah, I, I can kind of see that, actually. Um, I mean, I thought my, my exact notes were this feels like it's maybe a decent match but it just feels very strange without the crowd I, and i think this is like a recurring thing there's a few matches on here where i kind of feel this is this could be an okay wrestling match but the lack of crowd really <laughs> just makes it seem weird i um, yeah i thought it was uh, i thought it was actually quite i thought it was one of the better matches on the show actually i i i think oscar is just very very talented like even in just the little things she does outside the ring like i was highly entertained by her talking half in japanese half in english yeah. absolute nonsense outside i thought that was the best thing about it and i do get the sense that uh, um, asuka and and kairi sane can kind of just tell from the names uh, from the fact it's those two that this would be a pretty decent tag team mm. um at some point, JBL starts muttering on about Mr. Fuji for some reason. Not Ugh. quite sure why. Yeah, because um, he's also Japanese. <laughs> Nonsense, yeah. I I also noted that um, Alexa Bliss did, delivered a very nice-looking dropkick at one point, and I suddenly thought, you think she's actually improved quite a lot since um, the first time I saw her in NXT. I don't know, it must have been like three or four years ago now. Mm. But she's actually not a bad wrestler. Um, she's okay. Yeah. I, what I um, noted about them was I wasn't sure who was meant to be the good guys and who was meant to be the bad guys because Alexa Bliss comes across as so unlikable. Like, literally, she was trash-talking at the start. And I'm like, if you're meant to be the good guy here, I am really not behind you. I'm behind the people who were being really entertaining, who it turns out was Asuka and um, Kairi Sane, and they were the bad guys in it, so I don't know. And on your commentary point, I just wrote, commentary, bad, and then zoned out. I mean, the commentary is bad throughout this, and it only gets worse, to be honest. Um, it's Generally, it's unremarkable, and you don't always have to pay attention to it, but because, again, there's no background noise here, um, <laughs> it's, like, very noticeable. For the finish, all I've got here is that so Oscar is kind of thrown into the turnbuckle somewhere while Alexa Bliss just hits a twisted bliss on um, 
on Kyrie Sane just for the win. To be Twisted honest. Twisted um, that I invented, by the way. Did you invent? <laughs> yes. Um, if if we, I mean, I don't know if I want to tell this story to, <laughs> to the world, but that was one of the finishing moves which I gave to one of the soft toys that we wrestled with in the CTWF, the Cuddly Toy Wrestling Federation. And that was a move which I gave to the character Bunny Rabbit, where he would splash someone off the top rope by oh, turning right. around. It is. It is. I invented it is. that move. Yeah. And it was it, he. Bunny Rabbit was doing it years before Alexa Bliss. It's quite. It's quite a good move, though. Um, yeah, I quite like it. I also noted how it was weird that they were celebrating to a crowd that they'd won the titles yeah. with no one there. It's a bit. What, it's a bit who, 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 are, who are they? Point. They were holding these titles up. These. I'm saying titles. You see WWE language. They're holding these belts up in the air to nobody. <laughs> Like yeah, I mean, that, I'm with you, fans. Look at the belt. That goes for oh. lots of this show. Yes, and and you can hear the uh, trash talk from yeah. the which, which is why I noted what uh, what uh, what an a hole uh, Alexa Bliss sounded with, like her trash talk. <laughs> it was like you're yeah. meant to be the good guy here, but anyway. Um, I also at some point that before um, Nikki Cross hit a crossbody at some point. Um, JBL said, create a WrestleMania moment. And my thought was like, there's, if there's any show in which no WrestleMania moments going to be created, it's this, it's this WrestleMania. I, uh, I have a lot to say about, in front of nobody. I have a lot to say about WrestleMania moments, etc. uh, later on in the show. Um, so next up we have Sami Zayn, uh, Nakamura and Cesaro. What a combo I put underneath here. Why are these um, guys a team? <laughs> <laughs> There's that too, but it's like it just it just brings home to me how much uh, wasted talent there is. Three, three great wrestlers, but they it was literally the weirdest motley crew I've ever seen. As I said, I've I've heard that these guys were together, but I haven't actually watched them together, and it was just very yeah. jarring. I was like, what? Why? Like literally, like just thrown together. Sami Zayn kind of gives a good promo, basically saying that you know I can't remember what the content was, but something around you know I'm going to retain my intercontinental. No, I'm going to take the intercontinental title from you, Daniel Bryan. No, blah, no, blah, no, blah, no. Blah. He he was Sami Zayn was the champion going in. Oh, he was a champion yeah. going. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was got 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 my wires crossed there. Um, and he, he Sami Zayn seems to be going out, you know, all of his hair from every orifice. <laughs> Which, uh, a bit strange. Why not? It's quarant quarantine yeah. beards. Um, King Corbin shows up, and I put in my notes here that this will be terrible. Um, <laughs> I'm also kind of slightly perplexed that Elias is a face now because I thought previously he was the crowd had basically turned him face, but they were not doing anything with him. Nobody. He's knows. one of those classic cases where they kind of cottoned on to the fact that the crowd actually like him like three months too late and turned him face when he's no longer popular at all. Yeah, but the thing is, he's popular because of his spiel he does before matches, but he's a terrible wrestler, so he should just be doing the spiel before matches, being a face with it and doing nothing else. Yeah, so, um, and the other thing I got from the the preamble before the match was that um, Baron Corbin basically tried to murder him by pushing him off um, <laughs> yes. off some scaffolding or, or, a rat or, or, or a balcony or something yes. onto the solid concrete below. Yes. And then, and then Elias comes out totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, two days later. 
doesn't help that I recently watched um, the Viceland documentary um, on Dark Side of the Ring mm. on New Jack, oh, where God. New Jack basically did exactly this to um, <laughs> another wrestler. But for or, real. Where there was... Yeah, I can't remember the name of the wrestler we happened to. Basically, the, um, the wrestler fell on top of New Jack and New Jack like cracked his skull. And then the next time they met, New Jack purposely tried to throw him off a balcony to basically kill him. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's why that was kind of running through my mind. Mm. Um, so we have Corbin coming out, basically doing the classic... Um, Elias isn't here because I tried to murder him. So uh, make him forfeit the match and declare me the winner by default. What on uh, earth? King Corbin's uh, gimmick is that he is the king because he won King of the Ring. But he's wearing the most half-assed king outfit I've ever seen. He's basically wearing a cloak, a plastic crown, but over a T-shirt. So it just looks like a like a child at a fancy dress party whose parents couldn't be bothered to buy the the full outfit so they just bought him a cape like it's the most half-assed like ghetto kind of thing i've seen it's just like he does not look like someone you should take seriously whatsoever so anyway obviously elias comes out and <laughs> whacks um him over the back i put with a chair but was it the chair or was it the guitar, was it guitar wasn't it no it's guitar no, was it I... what was it it was with an inanimate object of sorts. Yeah, I can't quite remember. Um, according to Wikipedia, this match lasted nine minutes. It felt oh much longer. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, I'd assumed in my notes here that it was short. But thinking back, actually, it was very long and very boring. For what his, it was. For his serious shoulder injury, by the way, Elias was wearing a few small strips of athletic tape for his, yeah. <laughs> for his 15-foot fall off a platform. Yeah, I mean, I I can't actually remember what the finish is because I haven't written down what it was. All I know is Elias won. I put um, nothing, nothing I, much happening. Elias bit the rope for some reason, which I thought was weird, considering the the virus. Should, yeah, I thought you... I thought that too, and I then I thought I hope they're changing, like because ring like the mats of a ring are like breeding grounds for like bacteria <laughs> viruses well, and all kinds of disgusting stuff mrsa um, infections all the time yeah so <laughs> yeah um so next we have um shana baszler and becky lynch for the women's raw women's title yeah um becky lynch comes down in a giant truck yeah um, why <laughs> i had why was she in a giant truck i hopes <laughs> I had fairly high hopes for this, considering the um, the combatants, because I've seen Shayna Baszler mainly in NXT in the past, but she's always been quite explosive, and they've always been fairly intense matches. But this was surprisingly boring, and the early exchange, I thought, was especially boring. So what I got from this was, going back to the start, first of all, so this feud appeared to be built on the fact that Shayna Baszler just came out and bit her in the neck because for some reason she's a vampire or something. I don't understand. So oh, yeah, yeah. there was blood. And it was, it's so sort of, I don't want to go on about, I've moaned about this women's resolution thing for ages now, but it's just like, they're trying so hard to make Becky Lynch stone cold Steve Austin and it comes across as so fake and it she comes across as such an arrogant whatever you want to call her and it's just like they're trying to be cool and in that they're failing because it's just like children pretending to be wrestlers then I got why does Becky have a truck no idea why 
And I mean, why did Stone Cold Steve Austin have trucks? You know. Yeah, but um, literally, and would... later, why does the Undertaker have a bike? <laughs> yeah, but but at least I don't know. Like with Stone Cold, they built that into part of his character that he like would drive beer trucks and stuff because he was a beer drinker. So he just got hold and like grabbing random vehicles was kind of his thing. But Becky Lynch just turns up in a truck, no idea why, and she doesn't even do anything with a truck. She just drives it outside and then walks out. But anyway, I put yeah. my like Shayna's music. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um... The finish here was quite lame. I think Becky Lynch just kind of wins with a random bridging pin. Mm. And a lot of the finishes in this show seem a bit... Anticlimactic. Anticlimactic. Yeah, anticlimactic. Now, part of that is lack of crowd, because in theory, when you're building up the heat towards the end of a match, you're kind of building the crowd up and you're kind of getting them ready for the finish. Mm. But there's none of that in this. It's just kind of what they would do if there was a crowd. And I feel they could do a better job of kind of, well, they could try and be a bit more creative the way they kind of book these things. Well, I thought um, it just... To make, take advantage of, of the fact that this is like pre-recorded and yeah. you know, they, they could be a bit more creative with it. I don't know. I don't think the finish made any of them look particularly good because like Shayna Baszler's quite new to the roster first, so surely you should be building her up. I get that they wanted the good guy in inverted commas to win, but I don't think it did anything for her for her and it did nothing for becky either because it just made it look like it was a fluke yeah i think for this they kind of if they really wanted to build up Shayna Baszler, they should have had her kind of do a, a ronda rousey or a brock lesnar on her or you know if you're gonna have becky lynch win you at least like make Shayna Baszler look a bit more threatening in the match it just i don't know it was D- i mean anticlimactic it says me. a lot for this match but most of my notes are on the commentary and just the things anything other than the wrestling in it for example i i've put how the commentary team magically transformed into tom phillips and question mark because they didn't actually introduce the com- who the commentary team was and then i later realized it was byron saxon who by the way yeah. is the worst commentator of all time but more on that later I then mean, they're terrible different reasons to michael cole and jbl Tom Phillips like, is okay. At least Tom Phillips like tries to like actually call the action. But Byron Saxton, yeah. I, I, I've got more to say on him later. But okay. yes, uh, so everything else I commented on apart from the actual wrestling was why do they need a ring announcer with no crowd? And why is everyone posing for no crowd? So they did that thing where for the title matches, they sort of announce who the combatants are and where they're from and why they're the champion, etc. But isn't that so the fans in attendance can normally see? So why are they doing it here? Because it's already been announced to us at home what's who's in this match. So why why are they doing this? And why, when their names are announced, are they posing? <laughs> They're doing their like silly gimmicky poses and holding the belts up for no one i get but i guess your audience is the 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 watching viewer at home but it was just so bizarre to me oh i've just noted actually i have got a comment on byron saxton here as well which it says like children pretending to be commentators this so the next match is uh daniel bryan versus Sami Zayn for the intercontinental championship surprisingly Um, short 
yes. So my first comment on this is the yes chant just doesn't work in an empty arena. Well, of course um, it doesn't. But actually, was, if, you, if I've watched as, clips of these guys on YouTube and like their whole kind of, well, a lot of the people's gimmicks is, but they're doing this stuff because just for the fun of it, I think, basically. And like Daniel Bryan and um, Drew Gulak do this like start of the match warm-up routine which is actually probably the most entertaining thing about this whole match <laughs> um, yeah um i mean the, the match kind of starts off quite slowly and never really gets going to be honest with you i was starting to get into it and it just kind of ended and i was a bit disappointed by how random and out of the blue the finish seemed to be yeah well sammy um, zane's it starts off where well, a lot of the match is basically sammy zane running away which I think they overdid a little bit. I mean, and these two are definitely like the best wrestlers on the show. If you're yes. looking at actual wrestling, um, did yeah, you notice? Really... Did you notice the other um, main character of this this match, Ian? It was the first time in the the show that I noticed the cameo appearance from the giant ceiling fan. <laughs> <laughs> did you see it? I mean, I saw the ceiling fan. Not so much in this match, but maybe. Been late. I could not like Maybe once the, uh, I'd seen match. it. Once I'd seen it once, I could not keep my eyes off it. It was enormous, and it felt so weird for like a wrestling arena. Like I know it's yeah. meant to be a practice arena normally, but it was so like startling that on a a supposed WrestleMania, like just in every other shot, you can see this giant fan. The the only yeah. fan in the building, if you like. Well, hey, there you go. So yeah, my main notes on this. Oh, that it, one, it reminds me that um, the WWE have lots of talent that they just waste. Yes. Um, and then there was a sudden finish where um, uh, Sami Zayn hits Daniel Bryan with a halluva kick. It was kind of like a weird improvised halluva kick. I don't know what? if it was there a distraction that yeah, caused... Yeah, there, there was, there was a distra then... distraction from Cesaro and Shinsuke. So it kind of made Daniel Bryan look like a bit of an idiot. And then he jumped off the top rope and uh, there was a halluva kick in full view of that giant ceiling fan. Yeah, and then he just won. And I thought that was sudden and a bit disappointing. Um, we have the triple threat ladder match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. This is actually a triple threat. I'm assuming before this whole... Um, strange circumstance that we find ourselves in that this was um, going to be a kind of trip a proper like triple threat ladder match we had the three tag teams kind of so fighting together but now but because of social distancing they have to have fewer bodies in the ring well actually shoot. so do, do you not know the story behind this no not really so i don't know anything. this this was meant to be yet yeah, the new day versus john morrison and the miz and versus the usos but so Roman Reigns was meant to be fighting Goldberg for the Universal title. Now, yeah. Roman Reigns, in the last couple of years, has recovered for the second time from a form of leukemia. And so because of the drugs he's taking, is in a high-risk group. Now, the story goes that during the tapings for this WrestleMania, it was revealed that The Miz might have been suffering symptoms or something along those and so was having to isolate but he was obviously going to be in a match and he was in the arena at the same time roman reigns was and the story was that the usos got very mad at this so basically that is why it was made into a triple threat between a member of each team was because the miz was unwell essentially okay that makes sense 
So John Morrison obviously is back in the WWE now. Um, yes. So it's John Morrison, Kofi Kingston from the New Day, and Jimmy Uso from um, the, the Usos. Usos. <laughs> uh, my first note on this is that I hope they hope that none of these guys do anything too crazy in this match because again, what mm. is the point of ending your career in front of literally nobody? Yes. It's one thing to kind of risk your life to try and make a name for yourself in like a small promotion somewhere in front of crowds of thirty people, but at least that at least you're doing it in front of people. <laughs> They're not doing it in front of anyone. So um, I don't think. As far as ladder matches go, it's very hard to tell because I think over the years we've been desensitized to the danger of these matches. So it didn't seem to me though they did, as though they did anything too crazy. I think the worst spot was when um, John Morrison was very slowly climbing up the ladder and um, uh, Kofi Kingston does some Hurricane Rana off the uh, off the uh, top rope. And then he Hurricane Rana's um, John Morrison off halfway up the ladder. Mm. But then at the end, there's also a spot where John Morrison at the end of the match falls backward from the top of one ladder onto another ladder that's been suspended across the bottom rope and the and the ladder. Mm. That's getting ahead of ourselves a bit. So yeah, we kind of have the classic, like, everyone has a rush to get the belts at the start and they lots, all get knocked off the ladders. Lots of, lots of flapping at the belts early, I put. Yeah, there was quite a lot of that. <laughs> Um, according to JBL, there's a lot of um, massive <laughs> Kofi Kingston fans all over Africa. I've got the I've got the quote, <laughs> I've got the quote written down here because <laughs> he, he's been in Africa recently, and he goes, "All kids in <laughs> all kids in Africa want to talk about is Kofi Kingston." <laughs> <laughs> like really i'm sure most of the kids in africa have not heard of Kofi Kingston. it's just like no but it's all they want to talk about <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um uh, i also noted another classic line from i can't remember if it was michael cole or jbl but they said using everything around you to advantage even a ladder it's a ladder match. <laughs> That's literally yeah, the mean, one thing that you would think you would use to your advantage. I mean, there are ladders in abundance in this match, so I'm sure, I'm sure they can use the ladders. Yes. Yeah. Quite capably. Um, at one point, Morrison does um, a Spanish fly off the top rope, which I'm assuming he does quite often. It but was... because I haven't seen him wrestle for a while, I kind of forgot that he was actually quite a good athlete. You forgot what he did before um, that, though. Much... He literally yeah. walked the top rope with no one oh, holding did, onto yeah. him. He walked it like a tightrope walker and then did the Spanish fly, which was freaking like probably the best spot of the entire show. Yeah, possibly. Um I also was noticing some of the audible um, trash talk. So at yes. one point, um, <laughs> Jimmy Uso throws Kofi into a ladder and says, um, eat that, Kofi. Smash your face in, boy. <laughs> um, I, have, also... I, I can't remember the exact quote because I couldn't quite get it down, but it was something like that. Um, which, which may have been why later on, Kofi Kingston literally lobbed a ladder at him. He was running off a wall and he just threw the ladder. It looked so painful. Yeah. So I was enjoying this match, um, and then at the end, I'm, not I'm noticing this ladder which has been propped up um, across the bottom rope, and then against another ladder which is, you know, underneath the belts. Um, and I'm thinking, like, oh, when are they going to um, smash someone through that ladder, or like, I don't know, powerbomb them onto the ladder or whatever? Um, 
And then my answer is quickly, my um, question is quickly answered when we have a really lame finish where all three of them are up the ladder at the same time um, and they pull the belts down at the same time and then they push Morrison off the ladder, but he's grabbing the belts which suddenly come loose from the coat hanger or whatever it is that's (laughs) attached to them. Yeah. And he has them in his hands and apparently that means he won. Yeah. I thought it was a terrible finish. I, I thought, thought it, I thought didn't it didn't make a... sense. I, you know, thought surely if you detach the coat hanger thing, that means you've won. I, I don't quite. But know. that would have meant they were all tag champ. I thought it was inventive, but it was yeah stupid. Yeah, it made it made Kofi and Jimmy look like total idiots. So I must have missed the uh, changeover of the. Um, commentators before because i wasn't paying attention to them but i have put in my notes here oh god now they've cut to byron saxton and tom phillips <laughs> for, the, for the next match um, after more adverts kevin owens versus seth rollins um yeah. i just realized that kevin owens does the stone cold stunner now so i'm guessing Stone Cold must have given him his blessing to use it or something. I yes. don't know. Another, another person way. whose gimmick is that they're a, a discount mm. Stone Cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought the promo video before this was actually quite good, but I think both of these guys are quite... They're both good promos, so some of the mic work, I think, leading up to the match is actually quite... I, I was quite enjoying it, to be honest. Um, I noticed that Seth Rollins now has a um, has a Jesus gimmick. Yeah, CrossFit Jesus. Um, They've literally taken what people called him and made him into a gimmick. So his gimmick is yeah. he thinks he's Jesus. I, I, I don't know. Is that what it is? He comes out basically dressed like a, a preacher yeah. or something. I don't even yeah. know what you could... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's entertaining. He's quite he's quite a good performer. But I then noticed that Seth and his awful music start. Um, <laughs> he comes out. Kevin Owens comes out. Better music. Not amazing, but better than Seth Rollins' awful music. Um, so I quite enjoyed this match, actually. Um, I was ready to hate it. And then, um, and then they kind of um, made amends for themselves. Um, it's basically as good as it could be, I think, without a crowd. But there is still quite, there are quite a few um, silly stunts that are kind of unnecessary, considering you're doing this in front of absolutely nobody. But I can see how Kevin Owens, in this case, would want to make a name for himself in this match, given that you know he's getting a big win at WrestleMania. It's like kind of like the first WrestleMania where you feel like they've actually given Kevin Owens some kind of push and giving him like mm. giving him a break over like a mm. bigger star. And it happens to be when you know when you're in the middle of a coronavirus <laughs> outbreak and you know there's not much else you can do really, which is a shame for him, I think. Um, I, yeah, I, I quite like this. I, will, I as like you, I was fixing to hate it after they did the false finish, the disqualification, and I thought, well, that can't actually be it. And then for a while, I thought, oh, my God, that's actually it. And then they finally decided, no, it's not it. But for some reason, now is Kevin Owens the commissioner or something? Because he was just able to just demand the match restarted and that was fine. Yeah. So basically, we get to a point where Rollins then runs out of the ring. So after this pop-up album, that's it. He gets in for two. Rollins runs away. He runs to the timekeeper's area, randomly just hits him with a bell for a DQ. And then my exact words are, what? What? <laughs> what? what a waste. Yeah. Um, and then Kevin Owens like, does like a promo, basically. I can't remember what exactly what he says. Um, 
basically, basically not this way his manhood yeah c- come and do the match <laughs> no dq so they do it he's the commissioner now for some reason and but then yeah, it got, they just then the match got better after that yeah yeah the match only got better after that um yeah, so Seth Rollins kind of prepares the the table where Byron and and uh, Tom are sitting. So Gormlessly. Get, up, <laughs> Gormlessly <laughs> get out of the sitting, way to prepare yeah. the area. But, you know, a classic wrestling trope, if you set up the table, you have to be the one that goes through it. So <laughs> Kevin Owen hits him with the, with the ring bell and then runs up behind the set, climbs up the WrestleMania sign and then elbow drops him through the table which was pretty cool but about, looked looked yeah. disastrous it looked so painful i was convinced yeah, that it I, must it must have winded seth rollins well kevin owens looked like he was limping afterwards i'm not sure if that was like a, a worked limp or if he was genuinely hurt i couldn't tell well, seth looks genuinely um, winded so i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> yeah it, it looked pretty cool yeah um but it was it was a decent match. Um, again, you know, if it was a crowd, it probably would be a, a great match. But mm. you know, they did what they could. And then he had. To, the I situation. don't know why he had to do the stunner afterwards, but he did anyway. Oh, he did do a stunner, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um. So then I put Mojo and Host. I've forgotten the other guy's name. Gronk. Um, yeah. Whatever his name is, the Gronk. Um. Suddenly, our truth come comes up to them and starts ranting on about his stupid twenty four hours title. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Gronk wants to win the title, so elbows after in the head. Mojo yanks him off and says, "No, no, this is mine. You won the Super Bowl." <laughs> um, <laughs> to, uh, this is this is my notes notes for this. This is my entire three lined notes for this. Gronk and Mojo and our truth. Our truth gets lightly punched and loses 24/7 belt to Mojo. <laughs> like, I love how you can have a 35-minute match in this company and not be pinned by being thrown off a giant ladder into another ladder. Yet you can get lightly punched and lose a title belt. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that's what happens when you're a geek like our truth. So, yeah. Followed up by um, what would have been um, Here we possibly go. the main event. So, Braun Strowman versus Goldberg for so, the um, Universal title. Quick, quick background to this one. So obviously this match was meant to be Roman Reigns versus Goldberg. For the aforementioned reasons when they were taping this, as I said earlier, Roman Reigns felt it was unsafe to compete, so made the decision, which is awful really because, you know... He had to make that decision himself that he felt unsafe considering, you know, he's a high-risk guy. He couldn't have just been told to go home because the show must go on. Uh, but he made the decision, which I think was the right call on his behalf, to go home after the events that transpired earlier. But the story, the bigger story with this is that this news got out about a week and a half before WrestleMania was broadcast because obviously it was pre-recorded. And... WWE, as they always do, were continuing to advertise Goldberg versus Roman Reigns for days afterwards. And the funny thing is, they didn't even do like an angle to replace Roman in the following SmackDown or anything like that. And with no explanation, the match was just suddenly 
Braun Strowman versus Goldberg. No storyline, no nothing. And Roman Reigns is not mentioned once during this entire show. So we're just meant to believe that Braun Strowman versus Goldberg was always going to be the match. And for the purposes of this show, Roman Reigns was a non-existent entity, basically. Yeah, so to me, all of these matches are kind of out of the boo because I haven't been following the TV at all. Well, yeah, but now again. you've told me that, it seems very bizarre that Roman Reigns isn't mentioned and like the con- there's no like context or anything for this match. And it just, it's freaking Goldberg. So yeah, and just says something think... about the, the whole context of this show, though. They really wanted and had to do a show, but they didn't care about it that much because it wasn't what they wanted it to be. So they just didn't yeah. really bother thinking I that just, hard i just think at this point surely you just if if i was them i would okay if you want if you really want to do the show you can still do a show don't brand it wrestlemania you know rename it make it something else and then postpone wrestlemania and have your proper wrestlemania in october or something like replace survivor series with wrestlemania yeah, and just, then just build up towards that that's exactly what and i then, would do and then it can be like this massive show it's like the the big show after all of this horrible stuff that's been going on in the world. Yeah. And it could make it like 10 times as significant, but instead they just, they had to yeah. do it in some form. They had to get the payday at the end of the day. So just did this. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems a bit strange to me. And also, I don't think there's any harm in them having WrestleMania in November and then having it again in, you know, next year's one, they could just push back to May or something, Yeah, you know, and there's, there's still a, big enough gap between the two big shows but mm-hmm. i don't know there's not much to say on this match to be honest no. just goldberg does about a couple of spears showman does a couple of power bombs and wins yeah three um, three spears from goldberg braun kicks out braun wins with four power slams looks both of them look made both, both of them look very one-dimensional which I guess is actually kind of true, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, both but, look exhausted very quickly. Yeah. Um, Goldberg didn't look as... I mean, he is in his 50s, but he didn't look like he was ready to perform, really, in any sort of... He didn't look no. in, like... He didn't look in Goldberg shape, which is, you know... I mean, it's better yeah. shape than most people are in, but he didn't. Like, total waste of time. He looks in better shape than The Undertaker, and The Undertaker was in a very heavily edited mini movie so <laughs> very he has that going for him yes um but yeah so that's apparently um stroman's your uh, your universal champion oh this is a review 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 this is a review 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 we then have the match which i'm sure you're dying to talk about yes. the main event of the evening the oh, yes. boneyard match between Undertaker and AJ Styles. Yes. The a long promo okay. vid in which um, AJ Styles keeps on going on about Michelle McCall and basically delivers truth bombs on the fact that The Undertaker is very, very old and shouldn't be wrestling anymore, <laughs> which is true. <laughs> so, um, so a couple of things here. So all of a sudden, The Undertaker is just a man now. <laughs> he's, he's suddenly become even, you know, I know it's an act, but suddenly... They're basically just telling us, so this supernatural being Undertaker guy, it's all fiction, really. You do know that, right, guys? And this guy's actually called Mark Calloway, and he's got a wife and stuff like that. He's, he's just a man. Second is Boneyard match. 
So this is kind of like them not mentioning COVID-19 once. It's like they're so scared, given the current circumstances, as they would put it, to call it a graveyard match, despite the fact, well, we'll see in a minute, but when they arrive, it's blatantly a graveyard. (laughs) Okay, but no, because they don't want to say the words graveyard, it has to be a boneyard match. Ian, have you ever been to a boneyard? (laughs) Um... I mean, the closest thing I've ever seen to what I would describe as a boneyard would be the elephant's graveyard. I was just thinking the same thing. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. Um, On the on the making the Undertaker look like an old washed up man. um, It's a bit. I don't I don't think ironic's the right word, but it's a bit weird how as a company they seem very reliant on bringing back these old retired stars to like make money because they're such terrible at making new stars. They don't listen. Yeah, but at the same time, they are intent on making them look washed up and useless. Yeah, it's very strange. And, you know, past it. It's really weird. Um, Counterintuitive, absolutely. So, yeah, we cut to the boneyard. Um, (laughs) The boneyard, This (laughs) this immediately has a final deletion feel about it. Exactly what I put, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, First of all, a black limo pulls up um, toward... uh, And then I put, sorry, wait a minute, it's a hearse. And it's more of a grey colour than black. (laughs) Details, yeah. These hooded hooded minions uh, bring out a coffin from the back... Um, out of which AJ Styles pops out and then his music plays from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, from, sure from somewhere in um, the, the, the boneyard, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Undertaker taker then shows up on his lame motorcycle. So um, Biker Taker, this is Undertaker yeah, from yeah. sort of 2000, 2001. Yeah, it was lame in the year 2000 and it's still lame today. You look lame, Undertaker, stop it. It does not suit you. Stop. You're not a badass. You're not a mi- you're not an MMA fighter. Yeah. <laughs> so the Undertaker shows up and they have like a little trash talk. There's a couple of things I wanted to note from this. First of all, that um obviously because now the Undertaker is Mark Calloway <laughs> in this feud, apparently. AJ Styles has now become the real him as well. So he's now Alan. Uh, so at one point, at one yeah. point, it's great. The Undertaker's lines in this are fantastic. He's got so many great lines. So at one point, he's just calling him Alan. There's a point where the Undertaker punches through the window of the hearse, which was yeah. a callback to a very old Goldberg WCW real life situation where he yeah. was meant to punch through a gimmick window, but it wasn't gimmicked. So he just punched through a real window instead and cut a major vein or something so bled yeah he said so he said like you hurt maybe cut my arm <laughs> yeah so i assume yeah. i assume i assume um i assume that's a reference to that but after that he hilariously and hokily says son of a yeah you can at continue at some point aj kicks him in the testicles um at some point um he tries to punch him into the grave but then he gets hit by something I, I, I put, because I wasn't quite sure what it was, I put, did AJ just hit him with a gravestone? Question mark. He hit him with something, didn't he? I think um, it was a gravestone or something. Like, yeah, so I think so I think AJ, does AJ get kicked into the grave at one point? But No, no, then... no. Under, AJ kicks Undertaker into the grave, but then AJ 
gets in like the digger to bury him alive but then the undertaker in a giant flash of light appears behind him uh yeah so he's jumped out of the grave yeah but there's a point where aj's aj's um buddies um the oc um luke gallows luke gallows that's it and co kind of surround the undertaker alongside his his minions yeah it's a undertaker yeah. does some kind of really bad steven seagal-esque slow pondering you know action sequence where he's punching the minions that's when they kind of get to um they get to, they climb up onto the roof just quickly amongst all of this shenanigans at one point uh, another great line this time from Alan, as we'll now call him, <laughs> he pun- he punches the Undertaker and goes, "You made me break my finger." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He starts punching. It's just like, "Oh, you made me break my finger." Yeah. And at um, this point, I also wrote that Taker is making old man noises, and it's very weird. Yeah, he sounds gen- like I know it's kind of part of the story mm. in inverted commas, but he did sound like extremely exhausted, like exhausted to the point that you know. Yeah, he's an old man doing too much cardio. Um, probably not good for his heart. Um, so eventually they get onto the roof. Um, I put AJ runs and climbs up a barn. It's a something, um, yeah. Undertaker again makes fire appear behind him and then <laughs> like just starts punching the lackeys and throwing them off the barn. And he tombstones yeah. one of them. I think he, yeah. I think he tombstones... On the roof, yeah gallows but i'm not sure yeah i think he throws um, anderson off and tombstones gallows yeah yeah he then uh chokes <laughs> aj off the roof then trash talks him some more i can't remember exactly what he says i i don't know but his, stuff his, around... his trash talk was among the best brilliant stuff in this whole show don't care what you say it made me laugh so much he, he at one point he was saying like talk about my wife now talk about my wife go on i dare you what's my wife's name <laughs> It's the best. He then picks him up and says, it's okay, buddy. It's okay. You can go, go home now or whatever he says. Gives him a lovely and big then, hug, yeah. Yeah. And he then uh, kicks him into the grave and then buries him alive. And at the end, you kind of he takes off, he removes a veil from the grave, which says AJ Styles. Yeah. And, and you see AJ's hand reaching out. It reminded me of, do you remember that, um, the first System of a Down album? Oh my God. This which was is just a, a hand reaching out. It's what it reminded me of. There's like an album cover. He then rides off in his lane bike um, <laughs> right after kind of, I don't know, magically making his logo appear on the bar. By, by sticking his arm up in the air, yeah. So, um, okay, overall... Lame out of 10 is what I gave it. Really? So, do you know what? Well, okay, so I... say I... lame out of 10, but, you know... I don't know. It was entertaining for all. It was definitely more entertaining than anything else on that show. I, I actually... But it was incredibly stupid. I actually thought this was the best thing on the show and I don't it just passed as that like something that was so wrestling but it was great in a way despite the fact we said earlier it made The Undertaker look old it looked him look a hundred years younger than he has done in the last few years of wrestling and to be honest I think actually do you know what they've got something with doing these sort of mini movies with the undertaker obviously it's completely stolen off matt hardy but i think pretty much every match on this show should have 
been something like this just like an on location mini movie because then you've made the show something interesting and you don't know what's going to happen next but i think you've actually got something with this and i think you can actually do something with the undertaker because i think it's a good way to keep him going for a couple more years now that he can't wrestle properly anymore because it actually didn't make him look as old and tired as he has done in years because he was actually he wasn't dressed as a zombie he was just dressed as himself he was obviously able to rest in between takes so didn't look half as tired or old as he would usually in a match so i think that there's potential with this sort of thing with him it is tough because I think the way now the fact that they're having to do these well the fact they're doing these shows behind closed doors mm. um, all of these matches were made to feel very strange just because there was no background noise whatsoever mm. I was almost thinking watching some of them is like you know how in some of the older wrestling video games there'll be a soundtrack playing in a background during the matches I almost thought why don't you just like put like the the random like background music from No Mercy on Marshall. You're not, you're not <laughs> the first person to have said that, by the way. Am I not? No, no. Because... A lot of people on Twitter, from what I've been reading, have been saying similar things, which is actually yeah. what they did for this, to be fair. There was music playing throughout it. No, yeah. And I, and I think I agree with you. Like, if all of these were a bit more like that, well, I mean, they don't have to be kind of on-location shots, but they can be more cinematically shot. You could make something a bit more compelling rather and than that's... just just makes a very weird atmosphere they, to, to put a positive spin on this entire show like we said at the very start they gave it this overriding theme of oh the show's too big for one night to give it some sort of positive spin so why didn't they actually make it something a little bit different something that you are never going to see again my final views on it really it was an odd, odd show um obviously not the best wrestlemania um it had a few decent moments but um I think the the weird crowd, lack of crowd, really, really does negatively affect these shows. Yeah. And um, as we kind of said, they need to be a bit. I think they should be a bit. Try and be a bit more creative and a bit more adventurous with them because you know what they don't have anything to lose. They may as well. It was different, but not good. Different, I think. But yeah. Anyway, guys, that was that was WrestleMania Night One. So have you seen the picture of um, The Undertaker and his aforementioned wife, Michelle McCall, um, with a tiger with Doc Antle on the internet? I haven't, no. This this picture exists. I'll send it to you. What a beautiful uh, tie-in from our first two shows. I know. Um, it's incredible that this picture exists, but it, it, I assure you it does. I've seen it myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's... Well, I'll look forward to that. And on the world's colliding, on, on the next show we shall review that picture at the very top of the show. So yeah, Ian and I will be back. So yeah, you looking forward to that, Ian? Very much so. Lots of stuff to review and watch. <laughs> Lovely stuff. So guys, thanks for tuning in once again. And once again, we can say that that was a review.